Well, as I mentioned before, it's a wonderful way to begin the new year is to celebrate communion. Uh, if you are not familiar with what communion is, or the Lord's Supper, or the Eucharist, it goes by different names in Christian tradition. Eucharist means thanksgiving, a meal of thanksgiving for the sacrifice that Christ made for us. Whether we realized it or not, uh, we all need to be rescued. And uh, in a world of injustice and sin and evil, the problem sometimes we think is just out there. It's the other guys, and if we could deal with that, that would be the world would be a great place. And the problem is, is that the problem is also in here, in us. And uh, the seeds of sin that maybe grow into these giant trees of evil and empires, those same seeds are what is also at work in us. And, uh, and that's where Jesus, when he came, you know, he said, even uh, when he talked about in the Sermon on the Mount, even lust, he said, is really of the same root as adultery. And anger and hatred uh, is even of the same root as murder. And so he came to rescue us, to change our hearts, to orient us back from my way to God's way. And sin is a word that has often gone out of date, and yet that middle letter, I, that's the nature of sin, to try to create the world so that it revolves around me, myself, and I. And Jesus came to say our fundamental orientation needs to be changed. All of our orientations are skewed. We need to have God at the center of life. And that is how his kingdom was meant to be. And Jesus came uh, to rescue us in that way. Well, we want to uh, invite all of those who have put Jesus at the center of their life and said, yes, you take over the throne of, of my life. I know <laughs> I keep trying to take back control, but I want you to keep taking control of my life. And so one of the things that we do is to regularly celebrate communion, to remember, and in Hebrew thought, to remember is to relive that, that commitment. We think about uh, an anniversary. Some people celebrated their anniversary in, in recent weeks. And that is remembering that original commitment and recommitting oneself to that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul uh, had these words. And he said, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed. He took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us pray, and then uh, we will partake together. Oh, dear Lord Jesus, we thank you that even in the face of betrayal by those closest to you, you did not shrink back. But you even said, I have eagerly desired to have this meal with you, to embody my love for you in giving. You gave yourself self-sacrificially for us. Thank you for your body that was sacrificed for us. Amen. Let us do this in remembrance of Jesus.
And continuing in 1 Corinthians 11, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. We've just celebrated in this Christmas season the first coming of Christ, who came to implement his, uh, his life and the renewal of all things. And he is coming again. And so we not only look back, we look ahead to the second coming of Christ. Let us do this in remembrance of Jesus. And let us pray once again. Oh Lord Jesus, we thank you that you not only canceled our debt, you rescued us from slavery to sin and self-centeredness, but you also, you fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. You flood your new life into us. And we pray, Lord, that we might, as Paul said we ought to pray, to keep in step with your Spirit. Lord, we thank you that you are the one who gives us a whole new start, who renews us inside and out. Lord, help us to continually to walk in your ways by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Yosef. Good morning, church. Uh, Dave said it beautifully. Um, <clears throat> um, I know 2022 passed, and probably we had joy, but also we had sorrow. We lost loved one. We had some new things in our life. We enjoyed our family. We fought. <laughs> so it's, it's very beautiful to say that um, in 2023, we bowed down our head and, and prayed together. Dear God, thank you for today, Lord. Um, thank you for the worship, um, for your grace and mercy that we can be gathered here together one more time and, and worship you, have communion with you. And remember, you said you will finish this work in us until the day we will see you in heaven. Heavenly Father, we pray for your help as we are gathered to hear your word. We need to make progress in our devotion to your word and to one another. Father, I pray for your assistance again, Lord, as, as I'm going to share your word. In Jesus' name, amen. The passage that I will be teaching from is Acts chapter 2, verse 40 to 47. Before we begin, I will read this passage for you. And with many other words, to, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together 
and had all things in common. And they were selling their positions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Luke is writing this passage to encourage people to understand the truth about being saved. First, eternally from their sinful nature through the redemptive work of Christ. And second, from the crooked generation. In this passage, Luke mentions that Peter bore witness. The word witness is significant. In Acts chapter 1, verse 22, Luke uses this term specifically to refer to those who experienced Jesus and saw him in a resurrection appearance. This experience means that they can testify directly to what God did through Jesus. Peter and the other disciples witnessed all Jesus said and did, and then they lived out his teaching according to their faith. And it was his teaching of Jesus' life and um, it was his witness of Jesus' life and teaching that Peter was sharing to his listeners in this passage and encouraging them to believe that there is a way to be saved from their sinful nature and live differently from the sinful world around them. Today in this passage, we are going to zoom in on two of the specific things that Luke highlighted about the group of believers who had heard Peter's witness. Verse 42 says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Then we will look at one of the beautiful outcome, outcomes that this type of devotion can bring. We are going to be looking at the first two things in that list, the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, which embraces which embrace the second two and more, the breaking of bread and prayer. But first, let's look more closely at the word devoted in this passage. Luke is using the word be devoted to. Why devote? The Greek word for be devoted to, which is used in verse 42 of this passage, as well as in verse 46, where it is translated as an attending, can be used to express incredible dedication by persistence in something, diligent application of it, and perseverance. This word reminds me of a story of one woman's dedication, the story of Jim and Audrey. Jim and Audrey lay on the bloody highway, bodies broken and bleeding, their car beyond repair. The ambulance was on its way. Meanwhile, Jim tried to crawl to his wife to comfort her screams of agony though he himself was in unimaginable pain. It was a lonely stretch of highway, pitch black and very cold. Audrey's purse containing all their cash was thrown from the car during the accident and landed next to her on the ground. Audrey suddenly heard a woman's voice approaching her. Audrey cried out, please help us. The woman gazed at Audrey, grabbed the purse laying on the bloody ground and ran to her car and drove off. Jim and Audrey were hospitalized side by side in hospital beds for weeks. Audrey's back was badly broken. She would survive but would never walk again. The day 
They came home by ambulance. Both were on stretchers. Their daughter heard that the doctor telling Audrey, you will never walk again, and I am sorry. Her mother looked directly at the doctor and announced, oh yes, I will. You just watch me. For the next 11 months, their daughter learned the meaning of perseverance, watching in amazement as her mother took one step and then another despite the pain. After months of persistence, she finally walked. She lived with pain for the, for the rest of her life, but she kept her promise and achieved the impossible. You know, two things stood out to me when I first read this story. We are living in a world where cruelty has no limits. Can you imagine? You had an accident and are laying on the bloody ground, expecting help. But also, uh, and instead, another person not only pass, passes by you, but also adds to your hurt. But the second thing that stood out to me was, Audrey, despite her circumstances, devoted herself through persistence and perseverance to learn to walk again. I do not know if Audrey and her family are believers, but her story gives us a beautiful illustration of the type of devotion and persistence that Luke is speaking of in this passage. Luke knows that following the apostles' teaching requires devotion. What is the apostles' teaching? The apostles' teaching is Jesus' teaching. It is everything they learned from their eyewitness account of living with him, ministering with him, and being discipled by Jesus. Now it is recorded for us on the pages of this book, basically the Bible. It is amazing that when we look at the list of best-selling books, the Bible is best-selling book of all time, with an estimated five billion copies sold and distributed according to Wikipedia. Yet, with so many Bibles available, at least here in Canada and other free countries, why is it hard to devote ourselves to the teaching of the Bible? Some people may say, oh, the Bible is about spiritual things. It is not going to put food on my table or money in my bank account. It won't solve my health issue or fix my relationship with my parents, spouse, children, friend, church members, or coworker. History shows that we people are looking for physical things to satisfy what we view as our physical life. That's why Paul mentions in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3, that people lived in the lust of their flesh, indulging the desires of their flesh and of the mind. And 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 to 4 says that people are so distracted with themselves that they will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, and unholy. Other people think that devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, the Bible, is optional. And because of that, they do not really read it. Some people read the Bible whenever a pastor or a leader tells them to read. So they do not read it continuously. Others read it, but it becomes boring or reminds them of their personal failure. So they stop. 
Sometimes our going to Jesus is to get our immediate needs met. We want Jesus to fix our circumstances, to heal our bodies, to give us what we desire. We don't really come to him because we want him more than anything else in the world. Yet many believers are hoping to act godly, live with kindness, and to show love to their families and neighbors. But their lives remain far from this reality because they are far from the apostles' teaching. But there is hope. Luke highlights that such wishes became reality for those who devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and devoted themselves to the fellowship, as we see in verse 40 and 41, when Peter bore witness and encouraged people to save themselves from the crooked generation. My dear brothers and sisters, maybe you also are struggling to find a way to devote yourself to the teaching of the apostles. The scripture reveals that men and women of the Bible were like us, both in that they struggled with devotion to God, but also experienced victory and growth by God's grace and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we can too. Throughout church history, we can see that those who valued time with God by means of daily reading of his word, the Bible, had found the key to to creating an honorable relationship with God and others. The second thing that this passage points out is that they devoted themselves to the fellowship. What is the fellowship? The word fellowship in this passage means to share with someone that this passage points out is that they devoted themselves to the fellowship. What is the fellowship? The word fellowship in this passage means to share with someone in something above and beyond the relationship itself, or to give someone a share in something. This idea of sharing is visible throughout the passage in Luke's description of the actions of the church members, that they were together and had all things in common, and day by day attending the temple together and breaking in their homes and breaking bread in their homes. It's not only positions and finances we are called to share in our fellowship in Christ. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 5, Paul uses the same word for expressing his gratitude for the believer's partnership or fellowship in the work of the gospel. I believe at Eagle Ridge Bible Fellowship, we practice such partnership and fellowship. For instance, our volunteer youth leaders like Shannon, Mikol, Kevin, Travis, and Austin 
use their gift of servanthood and leadership in order to share God's love and his word with our youth for years. And even after Pastor Dave left, they continued serving our youth. And our prayer is that God raises leaders to continue blessing our youth in the coming years. In his letter to the Philippians, Paul also writes of fellowship in the Holy Spirit and fellowship in Christ's sufferings. That we may, uh, in Christ's suffering, that, that we may be made like Christ in his death to this world and in his resurrection from death. And in his letters to the Galatians and Romans, he says that we are called to share one another's burdens, sorrows, and joys. American pastor John Piper says, fellowship can be a sharing in the benefits of the death of Jesus. It's an encouragement to me that such Christian fellowship still exists. In 1991, a pastor was killed for converting to Christianity within his Muslim country. A fellow pastor, Haik Hafsepian, took care of this pastor's four children and the blind widow that he left behind. He spoke out strongly against the pastor's murder and became a voice for the persecuted church in Iran. By the way, I am from Iran. <laughs> he then started to help another Christian Pastor Mahdi Dibaj, who was in prison for his faith in Christ. One day, Haik's brother, his biological brother, asked him, what if the Islamic government kills you? Do you not think about your children? Haik responded, Pastor Mahdi Dibaj has children too. Through Haik's effort, Pastor Mahdi Dibaj was released from prison after being in jail for 10 years. However, three days after Pastor Mehdi Dibaj was released, Haik disappeared. He was later discovered with 26 stab wounds to the chest. His attackers buried him in an Islamic cemetery in Iran, and later they murdered Mehdi Dibaj too. You know, in the light of this beautiful story of fellowship, it is important to emphasize that this type of fellowship can only exist between those who are also experiencing fellowship firstly with God himself. Theologian J.I. Packer summarizes 1 John chapter 1, verse 3 and explains that Christian fellowship is two-dimensional and it has to be vertical before it can be horizontal. We must know the reality of fellowship with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ, before we can know the reality of fellowship with each other in our common relationship to God. So our devotion to the apostles' teaching develops our personal relationship with God, and that results in our devotion and fellowship with one another. They are like two sides of the same coin. And in the final verse of this passage, Luke describes for us a beautiful outcome of this type of devotion. In verse 47, they were praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The word having favor in this passage 
meant the state of having positive social standing or reputation. This passage illustrates that devotion to our relationship with God and with one another brings the kind of favor that leads outsiders to, to salvation and to become a part of this fellowship. Jesus said this another way, recorded in, jo in, in John chapter 13, verse 35, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. First John chapter one, verse three also says that, which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is, is, is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So their fellowship was first vertical to God and horizontal to one another, but its result was also bringing others into fellowship. Matt Broadway, who is a pastor in North Carolina, says that being devoted to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship is at the heart of the Great Commission and the church leader's calling. It is God's practical instruction of, for living. He emphasizes that the greatest danger that church faces is not persecution, but false teaching. If we remove the apostles' teaching from the church and, and our own personal lives, the church loses its value and mission. These words, devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, are meant to pull us toward the deeper truth of how Jesus transformed believers through, through giving his life so that their sins would be forgiven. From now on and forever, believers are welcomed into a new relationship with Jesus and one another and their lives are meant to bring God glory before their community and the world. Let's close this time with three points of application. First, as we think about devotions, devotion to God's word, I want to encourage you to set up regular and consistent time to read the scriptures. Maybe it would be helpful to find an accountability or a prayer partner which helps you to develop your relationship with God and with others. Second, about devotion to fellowship, I do not see that the scripture includes it as an optional part of our Christian life. I do not say this to condemn, but I believe God cares for us, so I believe that God teaches that. This teaches this for our good, that we may be blessed. Therefore, I pray that if you are not involved in any group, please join one of the ministries going on in the church. Get to know your Bible study group better. Think about others' need and, and not what you are getting from them. You know, church is not a building or a company. Church is meant to connect the members of God's eternal family to one another. And third, Believers need to remember their devotion is meant to be seen by, uh, beyond the church. Our love for Christ and one another needs to be visible to the community outside of the church. Jesus modeled through his interaction within, within, within the community, but he didn't often do this alone. For us, this could be as simple as inviting neighbors 
community members, coworkers, or family members to have some coffee or meal with you, to birthday parties, Wednesday youth gathering, small group Bible study, college and career gathering, and Sunday service, or to help with the needs of refugees, international students, vulnerable people, or seniors. And I want to end this sermon with this example. Most of us desire to have a healthy body in order to feel stronger, have less pain, or, or play with our kids. My wife's friend is a health coach, and she said from day one, she tells her clients, I am here to give you the best information I can, to point you to good resources and tools, and to encourage and coach you. But ultimately, you have to make the decision to follow through on the information and coaching you receive. This is exactly what we, we have here in this passage. God who created us became flesh, lived among us, and taught us the things we need to know so that we may have life and live out a holy life according to his teaching. Now our step of faith is to trust him and follow his teaching to see the result. And may the Lord bless us as we passionately devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship with one another. Let's pray together. Dear God, our Heavenly Father, we bow down to you, Lord. We want to surrender to you. We want to acknowledge that without you, we cannot have relationship with you and with others. So we pray, Father, that you bless us in 2023, bring healing into our life, our lives. Help us to spend time with you, learn from you, listen to you, and ask your Holy Spirit to, to bless us so that maybe we can practice the things that we learn from you. And may the community around us see you in us, that may they receive freedom and salvation as well. Thank you again for everything you have done in our lives so far. We ask you, Father, as you prayed for Apostle Peter, please pray for us to stand firm. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.